So I want to thank everybody. Welcome. This is meant to just be a really casual podcast that talks about issues that all of you have written into us and told us are important to you. So please follow us on w2wtour.com. If you have any issues that you would like covered, please drop us an email and let us know, and we'll be happy to find experts around the country to answer your questions. Uh, these are never meant to be political. We're never going to talk about Republicans or Democrats. We're just really going to talk about importance of women and the need for us to be involved. So today I am joined by a woman by the name of Kate who ran for office. And I just I asked her to give all of us your, her perspective. She um, ran a few years ago. Unfortunately, she was not successful, um, but she's learned a lot of lessons and I'm going to be asking her questions that all of you submitted. So, hey, thank you very much. Welcome to Wednesdays with Women to Women. Hey, Sarah. Thanks. Happy to be here. So, Kate, what was it like um, for you to run? But first of all, I want to start with why is it important for women to be involved in local, state, and federal governments? Um, well, Sarah, I think, you know, it's really important for everyone to be involved in local, state and federal government. And uh, since women are slightly more than half of everyone, uh, it's, you know, slightly more than maybe half as important yeah. <laughs> for women to be involved. Yeah. And so, you know, but but in particular, I think I'd want to focus more on local government. Um, I think federal government is the one that tackles the sort of sexy issues like the national debt and drug enforcement, foreign relations, um, wars, uh, and, and plenty of our taxes. Um, and state government passes a lot of our criminal laws and business regulations. But local government, uh, in my opinion, is where it's at. And that is because um, it touches really every aspect of your day-to-day -day life. So imagine when you wake up every day, the traffic, the amount of it that you can hear from your window, for example, is the result of local government decisions, where to put the roads, where to zone your neighborhood, how many people to put in your neighborhood, where to put high traffic buildings like schools or um, you know, office towers. Now your kids are getting ready for school. Okay, where they're going to go to school and how they get there, that's a local government decision. Now maybe you're kind of cleaning up the kitchen or kind of getting things ready for your day. Well, trash collection is a local government issue. What day it will be collected, whether or not you participate in recycling programs, who actually collects your trash, how much they get paid, how much competition is there for that service, um, and how many of your tax dollars go to pay for them. Uh, that's all local government, along with, by the way, your water and your sewer access. Uh, your access to a library throughout the day or parks for yourself or your children um, where you might go exercise, that's uh, a local government issue. And then maybe you're going to go to work and how you get there uh, via public transportation or even on the roads, in many cases, an issue of local government. If they're local roads and public transportation is almost always a local government issue. So whether you have buses or trains available to you, that's your local government. And then finally, you get to work. Well, why is your employer even in the area? So local governments are often very uh, involved with their um, local chambers of commerce to recruit businesses and to create tax incentives or other incentives to build um, businesses or to bring businesses or to move businesses to your city. So your job might be a direct result of your local government negotiating on behalf of the taxpayers of the town. Um, so basically, you know, if, if you want to have the maximum impact on just the very day-to-day -day things that influence your lives, your taxes, your property, your school, your recreation, your roads, your water, your sewer, uh, you know, local government is is really the place to start. So, okay, 
Thank you. I could not agree with you more. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people even realize that they can be involved in the decisions that you just talked about with their local government and why they need to be involved. Uh, my next question for you is kind of an interesting one, um, but I feel pretty strongly about this as well as so does the woman who asks us. Why do you think we need more women in elected office? Well, um, so to be honest, and this is maybe not the answer that this lady would like to hear, but I don't necessarily. Um, to me, we just, I think we just need more reasonable people in, in elected office in particular. Okay, I couldn't agree office. with you more on that. And so you're I, absolutely right. But what I think is that when women, you know, but again, women are slightly more than half of the people. And so, you know, to the extent that we just don't have that representation, what that means is the voters are missing out on fully half of the people who might bring their their minds and their skills to bear. And I'm going to give you an example. And this could be urban legend. I don't know. But I read somewhere that um, when the Boston Symphony um, started doing blind auditions, they wound up uh, hiring more women. And. The reason was because up until that point, they just had this idea that only men could play beautiful music. But then they <laughs> stopped looking and they realized, wait a minute, there's all these really super talented musicians out there that we've been missing. And we've been missing them because we weren't paying attention to the women. And so I think that the importance of getting women involved is just to say, you know, you're doubling your options. Um, if you have only men involved and then you get women involved, you're saying, you know, twice again, the number of people are out there for voters to select. And so to the extent that, you know, I want more reasonable people in office, it's a numbers game. Um, now, my professional situation uh, arguably is more similar to a stereotypical man. So I'm a self-supporting white collar attorney living alone in a condo that I own in an urban area and I have no children. So, you know, a woman like a suburban housewife, for example, might not represent my interests better than an urban single man. Um, but I, but I want to have the choice, right? I don't know. It would depend on the woman and it would depend on the man. And I want the more reasonable candidate. I want the person who's going to be able to think about the issues, analyze them objectively, and then be an effective advocate. So, you know, um, once you get the job, uh, once you've gotten the job of, of city council person or state senator or whatever you are, you know, you're useless unless you can get laws passed, right? Unless you can actually implement mm -hmm. the things that you want to do to make your society better. And so if you're not an effective advocate for your position, if you can't reach all the other people whose votes you're going to need to get these uh, goals across the line, then, um, you know, you're useless to me as a representative. And so really what I want is just more people out there being advocates and and showing me that, that there's people who care and that are going to be in a position to advocate on my behalf within a legislative body. Okay, I agree with you 100%. It doesn't matter if they're men and women, as long as you, they're reasonable, because we've kind of lost that at times in this country. But it kind of leads me into kind of my next question. I know we don't care if they're men or women, but how does the environment change if there are more women in elected office? Um, so I don't, this might frustrate you, but it depends on the woman. Um, so, you know, sometimes it changes for the worse and sometimes for the better because it depends on the person, right? So just like men, there are effective and ineffective women in every job. And so when a woman is ineffective, unfortunately, it very often gets blamed on her gender, right? Whereas when a man is ineffective, yes. it can get yep. blamed on just, you know, oh, he's a jerk, right? But when, yes. when a woman is ineffective, very often we hear, well, that's what happens, you know, when, when you put those hysterical women in office. Um, and that's unfair. But it also doesn't change the fact that adding an ineffective woman 
to uh, a legislative body could easily make things worse. So if you have a sort of stereotypically, let's say, screechy or whiny, right, woman to an all-male body, that could make things worse. Just like adding a stereotypically male, fist-pounding, aggressive, over-the-top, arrogant man to an otherwise reasonable body of women would make things worse. So I think, you know, I think that that the environment changes for the better when you have good advocates who can be reasonable and who can understand other people's point of view, who can bring empathy to the table. I know that stereotypically sort of women are better at that, um, but I've seen very, very effective men in office as well. Um, and so I, and, and I've seen very ineffective women in office as well. So if you are planning to run, I would just encourage you, or if you're planning to think about who to vote for, I would encourage you to to really judge the candidates based on their ability to persuade a group of people um, that your ideas are, are the ones that ought to be implemented. Great answer. Thank you. So we're going to, as I mentioned, when I opened up, you did run for office. We're not going to talk in detail about that. Um, but in general, what was it like running for office? Um, it was a lot of work, um, but it was in the end easier than I thought it would be. And also it was less um, public than I thought it would be. So I ran for a, a small district for my city council um, in my hometown. And I uh, managed, so I thought that raising money would be really hard. And it turns out that raising money was not the hardest part. So uh, I, in the process of raising money, I got to meet all kinds of uh, business leaders and people on both sides of the aisle that just really had an interest, like I said, in having well-educated, well-qualified, reasonable people run um, on both sides. So many of them didn't care very much about about the political party I belong to. Um, they just wanted somebody who, you know, was qualified and could hold down their end of a conversation. Um, and so, you know, they were really willing to donate when I came in the door and, and had a pretty clear vision about what I wanted to do. Um, they, you know, even just that level of competence, just being able to hold a conversation actually put me ahead of a lot of the other folks out there, believe it or not, um, in the view of the donors. So, you know, if you're thinking about it, honestly, it's, it, it's not about platforms or speeches or anything. It, it literally is about sometimes just one-on-one -on -one conversations with the right people. Um, the second thing is that, you know, I did raise a lot of money and that allowed me to do a lot of advertising. And, you know, I know a lot of people have said to me, um, you know, Kate, uh, I just couldn't run for office because it's too public and I don't want to put my family out there. But listen, I'm here to tell you that at least for local office, I had in, in my small area of my city, I had hundreds of yard signs out in, in yards with my photo on them. I distributed thousands of flyers. I even had a TV ad on Monday Night Football um, the day before the election. And still, barely anybody had heard of me by the time it was over. So what was amazing to me yeah. is that people just aren't, that no matter how loud you, even if you're yelling and screaming as loud as you can, very often people just aren't paying attention. And so it really, you know, when you're running for local office, it really is quite a quiet, intimate, small group of people who are actually even paying attention. It really doesn't, you know, the newspaper runs maybe two articles, one where they give an endorsement and one if you kind of do something interesting. So even the local newspaper is, is only marginally paying attention. Um, certainly the national media isn't uh, if you're only running for, for city office. Um, and, and, you know, if you're in a, I, I was actually in an off year. So my city does elections in odd years for local government. Um, but if you're running in a in a national election year, you know, your race is going to be completely overshadowed by, you know, national Senate races and national presidential races. Um, and in fact, you know, if you're on the if you're listening, 
I, you know, I defy you to name five people who are, you know, currently even on your local uh, board. Um, even very shortly before I run, I couldn't have named all of them. I mean, it really, you know, people just aren't paying as much attention as you think. <laughs> That's actually scary because you already have talked about all the things that these boards can affect in your daily life. And here we are, we don't even pay attention to, to who we're electing into these positions. I, and I generally found the experience to be very positive. I mean, the people who I did uh, meet and who did know who I was were grateful that, you know, somebody was running and, you know, willing to take on the job because it's, you know, it's it's kind of a part time in your spare time sort of hobby position. And so I think just generally speaking, it was it was really a very positive experience. It was much more positive, actually, than even I thought. it would. OK, be. so you talked a lot about, you know, what you enjoyed. What didn't you enjoy about the experience? Um, you know, I, I actually, I, I really did want the job. Uh, what I really wanted to do was, was represent my, um, my district, um, on this little board of directors that ran the city. And, uh, and so I, I'm sort of naturally a, a little bit of a shy person. And so I wasn't really excited about the campaigning itself. Um, but I think one of the things I didn't enjoy about, I mean, now, and I liked that more than I thought I would. So getting to meet people and sort of talk to, to folks in the community was great. But I think the things that I didn't enjoy were, you know, the people who very often would show up for um, some of the more political events were this um, very, very small, almost echo chamber of the same people over and over again. And I loved how involved they were. I really, really did. But um, after a while, I think it got a little bit discouraging to find that I was going out night after night to community events and basically seeing the same group of people over and over again. I wanted to find ways to reach out and, and connect with more people and to get a sense of what people who weren't going to political events needed, right? Because I'm representing them too. Um, and so I, we spent a lot of time just trying to get into people's homes. Like, hey, you know, have us over, have your neighbors over. Let's, you know, serve some wine and cheese and just talk about what's going on. Um, and it doesn't have to be politically charged. I just, I just want to say hello and answer questions about the city. And so, you know, we did a lot of those kinds of events, which I really loved. Um, but I was a little bit discouraging as I sort of saw that there was just really very small group of people that were actually um, consistently involved. Yeah, I have to say, again, I find that sad because you're right. They affect our lives, our everyday lives that you talked about. We got to get more women, more people involved, women and men involved. Um, so in your race, if you could change one thing, what would it have been? I would have um, focused more on the, the, the tactics, like the, the ground tactic, tactics. Um, so in the end, you can be qualified and you can be articulate and you can have good ideas and you can connect with people. But if on that day of your election, that's an off year and it's a primary and nobody's going to, you know, nobody knows about it. If people don't show up and actually cast ballots for you, then um, no matter what, it's just like passing laws. If people don't vote for your ideas, they're not going to get passed. Your ideas are, are not useful. So you as a candidate can't get anywhere or do anything unless you can get people to the polls to actually vote. And I think my opponent, who was a actually a very good guy and very qualified and um, I have a lot of respect for him, you know, to this day, I think he did a good job in the seat. Um, he really just did a better job of making those phone calls on election day and getting people out to the polls to vote. And so I, I would sort of tell you, if you're listening as a would-be candidate, to remember 
the actual physical act of voting is so important. Just thinking through the logistics of how does a person get to the polls and where can you intercept them and make sure that they actually go do it. And also as a voter, the actual physical act of voting is so important because that's the only way that you, it's the only way that you get somebody in. That's the only, that's the only thing you can do. You can, you can donate money. You can put out a yard sign. You can take all the flyers you want. You can yell and scream and talk to your friends. But if you're not voting and you're not getting other people to vote, then, then whatever it is you're saying, um, you know, doesn't resound. You are absolutely right. I tell all my friends that you don't get to complain unless you voted. (laughs) Then you can complain. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked all about this. Um, We talked a little bit about your race. Would you encourage other women to run for office? Absolutely. If you if you um, if you want to go for it. I mean, it's it really is less kind of difficult than than you think. And I think most cities have somebody who um, can teach you how, Um, you know, I would. In fact, uh, I'm going to take your question one further. Call whatever office you want to run for or whatever kind of body you want to join. Call the existing representative in your district for that place and talk to them on the phone. I mean, they're a person and their job is to talk to you. So uh, they'd probably be thrilled. Um, now, I mean, obviously, if you're going to try to unseat an incumbent, that's harder than maybe go to the next district over. But call call somebody who has the job, just like you would any other job you want, and ask, how did you get there? And how did you do it? And what would you, you know, what would you do differently? And, and what do you like about it? If you're um, interested in local politics, one of the things I did before I ran, before I even knew I wanted to run, was um, my city council had these little committees that are volunteer committees and citizens can join them and learn just how the city operates. So, you know, I, I joined a little committee that talks a lot about um, public transit and I joined another committee about um, uh, sort of contract issues in city government. And, you know, we'd meet about once a month and the city staff would bring us up to speed and we would just be sort of citizen advisors to that committee. And we learned a lot about how the city operated and what decisions council could make and not make. So, you know, before you run, if you're a little intimidated by the idea of casting your um, name or registering to, to be on the ballot, maybe take a year and um, and see what kinds of ways you can get involved in the legislative body that you're interested in, uh, short of running for office, because there's there's lots of those. Okay, thank you. So this one, this question is actually my question. I ask all of my guests this. This is a passion for mine. How do we get out the message that every single issue is a woman's issue? Um, You know, Sarah, that's a great question. And I've thought a lot about it because I agree with you. I think, frankly, that the message is already out. Uh, Women know that, but they maybe just haven't put it that way to themselves. And I think what you're getting at is um, the notion that, you know, what that there's this there's this sort of myth out there in politics that there's some some subset of issues that are women's issues. But, you know, what women know, what we all already know is that, um, you know, child care is a man's issue because for every child, there's a mother and a father. Thank every you. single one, every yes. single child out there has a mother and a father. Yes. <laughs> and, and taxes are women's issues because women pay taxes and business regulations are women's issues because women own businesses and women work for businesses and women patronize businesses and women live in cities that have businesses. 
Um, you know, traffic and, and road construction is a woman's issue because women drive in cars and they're concerned about their safety and the safety of their families and the safety of their coworkers. I mean, no, there is nothing on this planet that isn't a woman's issue. And women already know that. So I think, I think that the, what, what me, I think the only way for, for that issue to get out is for, frankly, for men to figure it out. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. And I think they know it too. I think they know it too, but it is sort of convenient, I think, for um, politicians and strategists to just, you know, dump things in a sort of woman's issue category and just leave it there um, and assume that that's what women are going to vote on. But, you know, it, it, it just takes, it takes women getting active in local politics, right. And, and speaking up on issues like taxes and, business regulations and roads. And it takes women getting involved in state politics and speaking up on the same topic. Um, and then, and then to get involved in national politics and, you know, talk about taxes and business regulations and foreign policy and all those things that impact women as much. And so, you know, I'd love to see just strong women leaders, um, talking about all of those, all of those issues that impact all of us, um, equally. Well, that Kate, that's exactly why I founded women to women, because I believe strongly that there's more issues that unite us than divide us. I and we that. have to be united as women fighting for those issues that are important to us and making sure that our voices are heard. I don't care Republican, Democrat, independent. We have to be united and make change. It is shocking some legislation that just is not getting through um, that's important to, to people. So thank you. So my last question Okay. Is what what one piece of advice would you give our listeners uh, today about, you know, maybe running for office or making sure that they vote? Um, I think that it would it would be this. Um, all of the hardest things in life that you do require about 10 seconds of courage. <laughs> and that's really about it. So, you know, when, when you're about to have a hard conversation or you're about to make a decision or you're about to apply for a job, you know, all you need is that to gather your courage for the 10 seconds that it takes ultimately to submit the application or to say to somebody, you know, we have to talk or to, uh, in this case, put their, um, their uh, application in the board of elections for a candidate position or, you know, to hit send on that email or, um, or to check that box in voting. And I think if you can gather, think to yourself, if I can be brave for 10 seconds, I can do this because once you submit that um, application for, for, uh, to the board of elections, you know, everything falls into place. I mean, you're on the ballot. You, you just got to wake up every day to do it. Um, so, so I think, I think that's it. So gather your courage, um, tell yourself you need it for 10 seconds and then do what you need to do. And, uh, and just, and just keep moving forward. Okay. That is great advice. I never heard of it like that, but you're right. It is. It does only take 10 seconds. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's My next career will be so thank you. speaker. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Absolutely. You come back. Um, so thank you, Kate, for joining us today with Wednesdays with Women to Women. We really appreciate your insight and we hope you'll come back and join us again soon. Well, thanks, Sarah. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for having me. Thanks.